everybody's favorite weekly episode. John Garcia talking recruiting. Today, we're going to talk about uh, what chances Georgia has to get the number one recruiting class next cycle, as well as talk about other programs and how they're, quote, purging rosters or maybe supplementing their rosters and how Georgia compares to that with John Garcia next on Locked on Bulldogs. You are Locked on Bulldogs, your daily podcast on the Georgia Bulldogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody. This is Locked On Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are here today with none other than John Garcia Jr. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, this is a hectic time of year as spring comes to a close with the portal and, and all that fun stuff. So it is uh, head on a swivel as usual. So uh, I like it. That's exactly right. And nobody's realizing these date changes and when spring ball happens and when the transfer portal closes and recruiting commitments and official visits, it is a mess out there. If someone was to put this into some sort of diagram chart, it would be chaotic to say the least. So yes, head on a swivel indeed. Um, John, we're going to start today talking at dogs, recruits, and uh, just give an update on the 2024 cycle, where we stand. And then a question I posed to you, how likely are we to keep all these recruits I'm going to list and maybe some contenders that may flip dogs fans don't like hearing it, but let's go through it. Ellis Robinson and Demarcus Riddick, the big two five stars. And then Jalen Hayward, Nykar, wide receiver, Peyton Woodward, uh, Woodyard, sorry, safety out of California, Dwight Phillips, Jr., uh, DeMello Jones, Ryan Puglisi, quarterback right now that we have, hoping to add another, uh, Natarion Tuggle, uh, Sokovi White, and Malachi Tolliver, which amounts to right now, depending on which, uh, how you rank them, top five minimum across all boards, top three or top two with them. So my first question is this, how likely is it that dogs keep all of these guys in line for the recruiting cycle? It's not likely that you keep all. But that's the game, right? Just like Georgia's looking to flip several prospects, you know, Chauncey Bowens comes to mind down in my neck of the woods. Uh, they're not immune uh, to, to the flip game. Now, yep. most of the names you just rattled off, probably going to stick. I think Ellis Robinson, we know Alabama is, is charging and not going to slow down, but you get the sense that he's comfortable with that verbal commitment. Um, Demarcus Riddick. Everybody saw the video, right? He pulled up to the spring game with Nick Saban in his Mercedes. Yep. Um, Alabama native, you know, that that I think presents a little bit differently from an optics perspective. But today still committed to the Georgia Bulldogs. We know uh, Florida State is trying to complete the Colquitt County flip of Nykar after flipping Landon Thomas. We know Jalen Hayward, another Floridian, is uh, a guy that's being looked at by several schools closer to home Peyton Woodyard committed to Georgia very solid uh, took a sneaky visit to Ohio State and mm -hmm. Alabama so it's 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 big boy recruiting across the board DeMello Jones was at Miami this is big boy recruiting so you know the the it's just like the portal the portal giveth and the portal take tickets that's right Same thing for recruiting you you will flip others but you also also susceptible to to getting flipped but I do think for the most part this group will stick. Um, Puglisi is going to stick around. He's a oh, competitor. Yes. He's he's like, come on, Rayola, come on down, and, and we'll figure it out. Um, Tuggle just moved to IMG Academy. I think that helps Georgia 
potentially hold on to him because I do think his profile will rise at that school and others may get involved and try to make a flip attempt. But Georgia having that conviction early in the process probably helps out. Um, And IMG kids love Georgia. You know, that's the Nolan Smith uh, pipeline there. It's something that has long been good to the Bulldogs. I think that will continue uh, going forward. So it's going to be interesting with some of these guys, no doubt about it. But um, again, Georgia is going to flip guys committed to other schools at that same rate. So I I do think it's going to be quite fine in Athens for a very long time. Recruiting is not where I would put my, my, I wouldn't worry much about any element of the Georgia program, but recruiting would be far from the top if, if I did have to somehow create that list. That's exactly right. Yeah. You listed the guys. If I were to make a list of stalwarts from this class, Ellis Robinson seems as sure of a lock as I can get just based on his love that he keeps giving the dogs after he gets so much love and they are pushing hard on this kid and each time he gets pushed hard by another school he comes out with affection for georgia which tells me something and then yeah puglisi that dude that dude is begging Ryle to come down because i think this guy wants to prove himself so yeah. badly and i i love it just like i'm here for all of it uh we have been famous on this podcast of saying i don't have favorites of who i want to start because the best guy is going to start whoever that is and so i love this competitor mentality those two seem like no doubters. And maybe I would add Woodyard to that mix as well. He seems very much in the same breath as Ellis Robinson. So that's good. If you were to give a percentage chance and dog fans, listen, this man knows this stuff. We're not going to keep all these guys like just get used to it. Okay. So, so calm down for a moment. Uh, secondly, with that, as we see other flips, what percentage chance would you give the dogs to getting the number one class in next cycle? Give me a percentage. It's probably strong. I, I would probably go in the 50-50 range. I think we we see a round robin of schools at or near the top of recruiting every cycle, and Georgia is entrenched as one of those schools. I think the combination yeah. of this on-field run that we're seeing, this continuity now in the coaching staff, and the always loaded uh, Atlanta area is going to provide a whole lot of talent uh, for UGA on a consistent basis. So I, I think you could probably go – Today, and I know Michigan's number one on some services because they have the most commits in the country. Sorry, Michigan fans, that's not going to last. I I think you probably coin flip it between Georgia and Alabama. It's like the more things change, the more they stay the same from a recruiting perspective. It's going to be Kirby or it's going to be Nick there at the end of the day. Um, They both have great classes already built. They both have strong quarterbacks to help Mm -hmm. build Mm -hmm. beyond the coaching staff. And again, they're in it for droves of elite prospects, not only in that SEC footprint, but of course, well beyond because they have the ability to go anywhere and and grab anyone. So it's probably between those two schools. I think Ohio State, uh, Texas, I think those schools are going to be in the mix um, near the top. I like Notre Dame's class as well. But when you get into the bulk of recruiting season and blue chippers, it's just really hard to bet against UGA and or Alabama. So I'd probably put the chances at 50-50 between those two programs and everyone else is kind of fighting for third place. Yeah, that's right. Georgia and Alabama right now. Alabama with an average, depending on the service you're using, 95 rating on per recruit. Georgia with 94 point something, uh, which are both very high. And as they keep tallying through, Alabama's going to get some more four-star, five-star as always, and we are as well. It is going to be vying. I think one and two is pretty solidified. Uh, going forward. Hey, we're going to come back after this and I'm going to ask John uh, about the transfer portal because right now that is happening a lot and it will continue to happen. Ask him his thoughts on two schools and then how it applies 
to Georgia. But first, I want you to know about Built Bar. Built Bar is the tastiest protein bar on planet Earth. Right now, they have a new flavor. It's puff, it's soft, it's delicious. It melts like a marshmallow in your mouth, and it's peanut butter, which is fantastic. Uh, my dog will be seeking those out when they get to my home because he is a peanut butter fiend, but I am as well. I love them. Get over Built.com, 15% off your entire order Built Bar. They are the tastiest protein bar on the planet. High in protein, high in fiber, low in sugar. They are keto-approved. They're on any single diet that you do, meal replacement, on-the-go meal, whether you're picking up kids from school or at the gym, pre-workout, post-workout, during workout. Built Bar, the tastiest protein bar on planet Earth. We have tried them. If Daniel is here, uh, he would say that I've tried stealing from him many times, and I have successfully done that because they are the tastiest protein bar. Right now, 15% off your entire order with promo code Locked On. That's 15% off your entire order. Promo code Locked On. Built.com, tastiest protein bar on planet Earth. John, let's talk a little bit about uh, the transfer portal. So right now we've we've had this huge exodus out of Colorado. I think I last number 50 recruits, 50 players are in the transfer yeah. portal from yeah. Colorado, which is a big number. And then also we're seeing Alabama have their A day and the quarterback was not a source of strength for them. I think I could just gently say it that way. Um, and now all of a sudden uh, old OC down in Alabama and Notre Dame quarterback might be coming as well. When you look at those two schools, how's they're handling the transfer portal? Give me your assessment of how they are approaching that as well, because they have to stockpile or, or maybe make some deficiencies in recruiting and development. They have to up their game with transfer one team losing a lot, one team trying to gain some, how would you gauge what's happening in those two realms? Yeah. Well, look, I think with, with Colorado, this is the most ambitious, I would say plan uh, and, and execution thus far yep. of any school we've seen from one year to the next. Um, look, everyone saw that clip when when Coach Prime got to Colorado. Hey, um, my job is to to get you out of here, to replace you by the portal, by you quitting, whatever it is. Very NFL-like in, in that mentality. And look, if you've been in a locker room, you've heard that. You've heard as much. Nice. Hey, I love you, but I'm trying to replace you. Make Make me not replace you. Um, and clearly after that Colorado spring game, there was a whole lot of, well, I guess he didn't make me change my mind. So we're seeing the exodus and, and sort of the bad pub that comes with it. But to Prime's credit, that's kind of what he said was going to happen from the that's beginning. Exactly right. Now the execution, you know, you want to play optics, uh, you know, PC culture, all that stuff. Fine. It doesn't really rub people the right way. But um, according to him, this was the plan. And also according to him, there's a lot of reinforcements on the way. So it's a heck of an ambitious roster overhaul. Um, I don't know what it will create on the field from a continuity perspective. I do think that's going to be tough, but it was already tough. They were 1-11 last yes. year. So even the threat of a bowl game should be viewed as a huge win for Colorado. And by the way, the Pac-12 is really good this year. I mean, just look at the quarterbacks. Um, hello? You're, you're going to have a tough road um, independent of your own roster because of how good the quarterback play is going to be out West uh, this year. So you understand how ambitious and aggressive you have to be not only in your desire to bring in talent, but how quickly you got to kind of got to say, Hey, uh, thanks, but no, thanks. Uh, yes. Good luck. It's just not going to be here for you. So I agree with uh, that execution. Again, the methods, you know, we can, we can question that, but it's a business. And I do think the more we allow uh, player movement the more we empower players mm -hmm, in college mm -hmm. football this has to come with it right you want to talk money you, you want to talk business okay well professionals get laid off 
You know, this is something that happens. I mean, look, in, in our economy, it's happening everywhere. I think ESPN just just did it to a bunch of people. So that's it's, right. it's very normal in the adult world, in the professional world. And as college football creeps towards that, we've got to accept that as, as a college football public. From the Alabama side, it's kind of the opposite. Um, Alabama has used the portal pretty consistently, but they've always tried to fill a need. You know, can we yeah. grab – can we grab someone like a Jameer Gibbs who can just plug in and help us either enhance the strength or balance out a weakness? And as you said, at quarterback, things weren't looking too hot in the spring game. Uh, so you bring in a guy Tommy Reese is so familiar with and Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, who, who of course, uh, Reese recruited out of high school. Another dual threat, by the way. So mm -hmm. another guy who's going to be able to hurt you with his legs, but one who has a chip on his shoulder and, and needs to go out there and compete because the portal is the reason he's in the portal, right? They brought yes. in Sam Hartman at Notre Dame, change uh, coordinators, and all of a sudden he's a backup, even though he was QB1 for game one at, at Notre Dame last year. So you can understand the desire to, to recalibrate and, and go try to find at least a spot to compete the following year, kind of like the, the whole JT Daniels situation. Uh, so that's something you would understand. And I think other schools, maybe even Colorado can get involved for uh, a Tyler Buckner, who is a, a California kid, if, if memory serves correctly. But I think Bama mm -hmm. tries to operate from a filling holes perspective. Um, but look, some of that prime stuff, Nick Saban does too. We know, we know there's, you know, the, the whole processing thing that it started with Nick, right? You know, it happens at Georgia. It happens at other places. There are, you know, heart-to-heart uh, -heart moments where you got to sit down man-to-man -man and say, hey, look, it, it's not going to work out for you here. So That's it's right. in your best interest. And it happens in recruiting, too. It doesn't even get – Thank you. Don't even get to the roster. It happens before that. Hey, we took your commitment a year ago, and things have changed, whether it's our needs, whether it's your performance, whether it's grades, um, something off the field, whatever it is, you know, go ahead and decommit and and, and – find some some home yes. elsewhere which when you're committed to alabama or georgia uh you get that cachet and you will be able to find another home but it, it happens at every level of college football every uh time level of college football recruiting current roster etc so that's uh just part of the part of the process right now um and and people get exactly. processed all the time in this sport i just think it's getting a lot of attention at colorado because it's so open. There's a TV show, a reality show involved. There's a lot of transparency in Colorado that the SEC has never really been uh -huh. open to. So um, if we had those those opportunities and cameras there in, in Tuscaloosa and Athens and Knoxville and Gainesville, we would see a lot of the same stuff. Um, but the SECs are a little bit more tight-lipped uh, about it. So um, it's just the nature, again, of today's college football. It's it's a year-to-year business and i think that's the, the the baseline for how all of the roster management stems off of it uh we're gonna come back i'm gonna apply this to a question we're gonna apply it to uga but first this yeah john i'm so glad you brought that up because it's so key prime is getting attention because he's the loudest about it but if you want to look at what Dabo did Dabo took away scholarships from kids just recently now he was a moron because he said you know <laughs> i don't allow my guys if they're committed to go take officials elsewhere like Dabo, just don't say that like because you're doing the same thing we all see what you're doing just be in so i look at dion and i say yeah he's doing what he said now uga it is tight-lipped kirby does not air his laundry out for no one and he ain't letting anybody into that he is a tight 
tight-lipped guy, which Georgia can bang their chest like, oh, look, we're doing it the right way. Look, y'all, they're having these same exact conversations. Kirby had a conversation with one new USC defensive tackle and said essentially the same thing, y'all. And it happens and you just got to deal with it. Dion is out in front and God bless him. I think he is ambitious. Again, one win. Like, okay, great. You should be ambitious, right? You should be. <laughs> like, that's that's exactly the point. Yes. And all of us who had Mark Rick and, oh, the cupboards weren't bare. Okay, but yeah, Mark Rick didn't perform. That's why he lost his job, everybody. As much as beloved as he was, Kirby is doing what he said he was going to do. So let's apply this to UGA. UGA has had uh, seen a lot of people, 13, 14 people in the portal. Uh, a lot of them, CJ Allen pushes Ryan Davis out. Bear Alexander was told you're not fitting with uh, Cedric Van Pran and you're not doing a couple things that we're asking you to. Maybe it's best that you go seek elsewhere. And, and he did, in fact, and a bunch of other kids are doing that, which is good. This is empowerment to the players. And again, this podcast's stance is it's good for everybody. So keep at it. We're, we're happy for it. How does Georgia is perceived in the portal taking on two wide receivers from the sec uh how do you gauge their level of interaction with the portal as it becomes player development and recruiting uh, very strategic like everything else that that we see at georgia top down um i think enhancing strength has been um, a clear goal of of georgia in the portal you mentioned the receivers i think that's the the best place to focus here because um I think the like when A.D. Mitchell left, mm. there was this kind of like, oh, is it a schematic thing and blah, blah, blah. But in reality, you brought in two leading receivers from two other SEC schools uh, that that just bring a little something different to the table at a position that we've talked about here a lot on this pod, Clint, that that has been really one of the few that hadn't had that traction that we've seen at other positions uh, at right. Georgia. So you understand the desire from Georgia's perspective to change that. We see it in recruiting. They're, they're recruiting different body types, different styles. And now in the portal, same thing, you know, bringing in guys who have already proven productive in the toughest conference in the sport. So I do think it's a little bit more uh, calculated from the Georgia perspective. And yeah, with the departures, I do think more times than not, it's probably Georgia initiated, which is also to the benefit of those players. I think that's, the misconception, oh, coach, you you cut me because I'm not good enough. Well, if you're not good enough, why should we keep you around? Are we not enabling you to, I guess, think and feel like you are to a certain standard that you might not be? And if the goal is to prepare young men for the real world, mm -hmm. hello? <laughs> uh, th that is where you're failing at, at, at a certain point as a coaching staff. It's not – this is not a – it's not a, a business where it's just about trying to promote stats and depth. You've got to try the, 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 the focus of college football and coaching in general, especially at the non-professional level, is supposed to be about developing human beings. So if you are trying to teach lessons within that process, um, coddling and uh, you know trying to sugarcoat things should not be a part of it. Uh, because it's about trying to prepare for the real world. So if you're yes. not good enough, you should be told that, hey, you're not good enough to be here at the program that just won two national championships that's atop the sport um, and, and the NFL feeder system for that matter. Um, let's let's push you somewhere where you are going to be able to take some on-field strides that we can't give you. We don't have the room. We don't have the space. We don't have the carries to give this running back because we've got a loaded room, right? That's just an example. But yes. why should you stunt that potential growth 
uh, or success elsewhere if you don't think you can foster it on your own roster. And look, sometimes it's it's more complicated. Sometimes it's off the field, as you've mentioned. Sometimes you've got to make business decisions for your own roster and culture. Um, but again, that's something that should be applauded, I think, because you yes. have to maintain that. Just look, just look at how quickly a culture can crumble um, at these schools that you know w- win ten games or go to the playoff and then fall off a cliff. Oftentimes, as as people look back, I think LSU is a great example mm. at, at the end of Ed Orgeron's tenure. People on that roster, looking back, said, "Man, it was." It was a disaster. We just had a lot of talent. So it was only a matter of time culturally to where it was going to drop off. And it dropped off very quickly. We saw it at Auburn um, under Gene Chizik after the Cam Newton team. It dropped off really quickly when the talent disparity uh, revealed itself. So I do think trying to maintain a culture, you have to weed out people who don't fit either schematically or more importantly, intrapersonally on your roster. So I actually think George has done a really nice job of trying to navigate that process correctly. And they've done it with time. You know, they've done it with time. It's not on the last day of the portal window. It's on the front end where these guys are going to have opportunities to hear from elsewhere. And again, just like it's a a flag waving moment when you flip a Georgia recruit, it has that same cachet when you grab a Georgia Mm -hmm. transfer Mm -hmm. who, who was theoretically looking for greener pasture. So that cachet will carry with all of these players that that depart UGA for other rosters, whether it was their decision or not. That's exactly right. And that's, it is so key. This is what I do appreciate about Kirby. He is very upfront with these players. Uh, I got an artist that I like, and he's a, he's a father and he has in a song, I love you enough to make you struggle uh, as a father. And, and I, 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 Look, being a dad myself, I love that aspect. And this is what Kirby does with his players. He's a father to them, uh, which means at times you got you to speak tough. And if a player is not going to cut it, it's their choice. He could say to them, hey, we don't see you get in the field. Uh, going back to even your point of make us play you. This was Stetson Bennett's story. Y'all, we had Stetson Bennett because Kirby came to him and said, if you don't perform, I can't keep you here. And Stetson said, okay, let me go out and ball. And he did. And JT Daniels did not. And so the same mentality, he had the same conversation and he played it on the field and, and God bless you for all that you can do elsewhere. And so, yeah, how, how unloving, how ungrateful, how unpreparatory would it be to say, you have to stay here when you're not fitting and you're not going to get the PT that you need to go pursue your dreams. The most beneficial thing to do is to say, go pursue your dreams at Rice or go pursue your dreams at West Virginia, whatever it is. And then it's up to you. And so I completely agree. This is good for everybody. I do appreciate how Kirby does it because he is very, very out in front. And he's very much, go, let's do the G-Day thing. If you perform, let's reevaluate and we'll keep you. And you didn't, okay. I would encourage you, go find greener pastures. Um, and it's not it's amicable. It's all the way through. We, we've seen this time and time again with people coming back to Georgia afterwards saying, hey, thanks. We appreciate that. So, uh, hey, he's John Garcia. Where can the people find you, John? Yeah, on Twitter, real easy to find John Garcia underscore Jr. And uh, yeah, we're we're talking portal plenty, just as much as recruiting. So come hang out. Uh, John's a great insight. Go follow him over there. This has been Locked On Bulldogs, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We'll see you next time.